welcome to the Recover You podcast with Kyleen and Patrick Terhune. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Recover You podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to another betrayal recovery coach. So this is Kim Hansen Petroni, and I'm just going to tell you a little bit about her. She has a master's degree in counseling, is a board-certified coach, certified through the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists, and also through Early Recovery Couples Empathy Model. She is a Help Them Heal, which is a book we really love and highly recommend, certified workshop leader and a brain spotting practitioner. Kim is the creator and founder of Coaching Hope For You, a company born out of her passion to support betrayed partners as they seek healing. Her specialties include personal coaching, facilitating online therapeutic disclosures, couples support, individuals, partner, and betrayer coaching, as well as retreats, groups, and workshop. And she is a Tara Hope coach as well. We're so happy to have her on the team. And this is one reason that I wanted to spotlight her in today's episode so all of you could get to know her as well. So welcome, Kim. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here too. I've been looking forward to this. Yay. So I I know that you have so much experience in this area. And so when we were talking, you mentioned wanting to discuss the idea of betrayed partners really setting aside or prioritizing the time to heal. And I love that because first of all, it's really important. Um, But also it's not really something we have talked about a whole lot on the podcast yet. So this is a, a great topic. I think it's something that every betrayed partner will find value in. So I'm really excited to kind of dig into this today. So why would you say uh, recovery time or time set aside specifically for recovery, or some people might term it self-care. We can kind of think about it in a couple different ways, but why do you feel like that is so important? Well, because it focuses on the partner itself. And kind of what I find is that partners in their initial, we call it D-Day, their discovery day, when they realize that there's been inappropriate behavior with their partner, their husband, either through infidelity, pornography use, sexualized behavior, anything in that realm of betrayal, which the betrayal being that we're unaware that our partners are acting out in this manner. So when this comes to light, we experience this big D-Day, Discovery Day is what we call it. Partners frequently will look at it like, well, this is their problem. They're the ones that are lying. They're the ones that are acting out. They're the ones that are doing all this stuff. They need to go do what they need to do. And then they can come back and we'll be okay. And that's not what happens. Mm -mm. Because with that Discovery Day, partners encounter uh, an, an internal brain explosion. Literally, their brain changes. And partners will come to me and say things like, my brain just feels like it's on fire. Mm-hmm. I can't concentrate. I can't think straight. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't do all of these normal behaviors that I used to be able to do. But he's the one with the problem. So why am I so messed up? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel so foggy? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important for partners to really discern that self-care is critical. Mm-hmm. Because you are different. Once you have that discovery, even if it's been, we call it a dribble disclosure, even if it's been little bit by little bit by little bit over numerous years, when partners finally get to the fruition that this is a serious issue that needs to be addressed in our relationship, Mm -hmm. it is 
it, it's mind altering. It's earth shattering. Mm-hmm. It's a deviant path, a de- uh, not deviant, but it's a, a mm-hmm. deterrent, a different path from alternate the one that reality. They had yeah. There you go. Yeah. That they had originally thought they were on. So getting your brain to wrap itself around that I am no longer living in the world that I thought I was living in mm-hmm. requires a lot of self reflective mm. work. And behavior. That's why we call yeah. it a process. That's so interesting because this has actually really been on my mind as well. And we just released um, uh, recently an episode about spiritual bypassing and mm-hmm. um, the idea that betrayed partners don't want to get all of the information. They And they do kind of what you mentioned, which is, hey, and I did this at first too, like the first month or so. I was like, hey, this is your issue. You know, get it together. I'm not, I don't need to deal with this. You deal with this. And then pretty quickly I realized, hey, I actually, this, it was massively traumatizing for me. I need to talk to somebody about it. Um, But there are so many betrayed partners that will not actually get to that place. They'll just do the first part where it's like, and and it is like a coping mechanism. And and another thing that's kind of come up in in my coaching, even this past week, and I, I'm sure you find this too, where there's like themes that will come up with your clients. <laughs> it's so fascinating. Um, but one of the things I found out uh, or, or was coming up was this idea of um, being busy, you know, is another coping mechanism. Denial is coping, all this kind of, but I think what you're saying that taking time to actually feel the emotions and process the reality of what's happened is so important because what the alter the uh, alternative is to jump into one of those coping mechanisms of being busy. And what happens is you can do that. That's fine. And a lot of people accidentally do it. Like if they're moms and they have kids and their, their, their life is just naturally busy or a little chaotic, right? And they don't mean to use it as, as a coping mechanism, but it is. And when they don't conscientiously take the time to feel the emotions and to process the new reality, then at some point it's going to cause a problem. Um, and, and if you are finding yourself like three years in and then everybody goes on vacation and you're sitting at the house alone, guess what's going to happen? <laughs> right? Like so at some point those emotions will come up. Right. And, yeah. and so being really intentional about saying, Hey, I will be brave enough. Cause this is, this takes a lot of courage, I think yeah. to be brave enough to feel my emotions and to sit with them. I think that is really, really important. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of comes in a variety of different spaces because I'll like see partners who, man, they're all in. I got to figure out what this is. I got to read all 50 books. I got to listen to every single podcast and they are educated. They mm-hmm. know everything more than I know by the time they get to me. And so they, they have it all in their prefrontal cortex, but it hasn't like drifted into their soul yet to mm-hmm. really acknowledge and understand. Yeah. Oh, I'm like different now. It's a safety seeking mechanism for them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from the AppSats standpoint, the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists that I'm um, certified through, we believe that there are three different tiers of healing. And that first healing process for betrayed partners is safety and stabilization. And in order for partners to really get and feel safe, Mm -hmm. they have to have an education. They have to have words to apply Mm -hmm. to all of these different spiritual bypass, all these different behaviors that they have, um, that they're experiencing. And a lot of times they get to that space where they got they got everything under control and they keep hearing this word of self-care, self-care, self-care. Well, what does that mm. mean, self-care? Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. People are telling me, I gotta, I gotta journal, I gotta read, I gotta mm-hmm. take go on walks, I gotta exercise, I gotta eat right, all of these things mm-hmm. that are very normal in a normal society, mm-hmm. but they're no longer living in normal. Yeah. 
Yeah. So before D-Day, they used to be able to read. Mm-hmm. After D-Day, because their brain has shifted, they can no longer read. Oh, can we just pause there? That's such a, yep. that's so relatable. And so I just want to sit with it for a minute because it's so true. You, the the difference in thought process, the difference in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, almost like tolerance level with your brain mm-hmm. and like what it can take on at any time. And so that's so true. Your brain can get to the point where it's like reading sounds exhausting. So can I just like binge out on Netflix because it's going to, it's a, it's a numbing out a little bit. It's a dissociation. Right. And I think to it, I think to a point, there's nothing wrong with that because you do have to disconnect at some point from, from the intensity of it because it's, it's going to flood you. Um, Mm -hmm. And as long as you're not completely avoiding, right? And and completely right. like going into denial and everything. I, th- I think there's a time and a place for that. But yeah. recognizing that yeah, that that's a real phenomenon that your brain is like overwhelmed and overloaded and you're it's like physically tired almost. And so little things yeah. like like making dinner, going grocery shopping or reading a book, like those just feel hard. Yep. Yeah, and because your brain has shifted, I mean, chemically shifted the the way that it functions, it doesn't absorb information the same way. So you'll see partners that want to understand really what's happening, and I give them, you know, your sexually addicted spouse by Barb Steffens and Marsha Means, and they're like, oh, okay, now what do I do with it? Well, let's mm-hmm. try a different kind of book. Let's try Sherry Keffert and her book, mm-hmm. um, and they kind of look at these different books like, I don't get it. But then they can listen to it mm-hmm. and it starts sitting in their mind and it doesn't feel quite so overwhelming and oppressive. I think that's why podcasts yeah. are so incredibly helpful to partners because you can listen to it. And actually, I've heard partners describe it too. It makes me feel like I'm not so alone because mm. I can hear the voices. I can mm-hmm. I, I can hear someone talking to me. It's just mm-hmm. me, not me in paper anymore and I can't read, but it's actually somebody sitting with me and talking to me. Mm, and that. so I find that that's a, a huge phenomenon. And at the same time, partners, it's helpful for partners to recognize that it's okay. It's just their brain works differently now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They'll be able to read whatever book they used to be able to read for leisure and relaxation Mm -hmm. once they start working out of the trauma. That's why self-care is important. That's why taking the time to really process Mm -hmm. your own emotions is helpful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Go ahead. Definitely. I think think encouraging people that that is temporary for sure. As long as, right? As long as you're doing Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, some of the other things too, and we talk about self-care and what's helpful for partners, just the small things like journaling Mm -hmm. that we preach that all day long. Mm -hmm. You got to journal (laughs) in normal, just got to write down your feelings. Right. And for partners after D-Day, that's the last thing they want to do is look Mm -hmm. at many of them, not all of them, but Mm -hmm. many of them go into this guilt space where they're like, I don't want to write it all down. I don't want to mm-hmm. look at it. I don't mm-hmm. want to think about it. I can't write it down. My hands don't work. Mm-hmm. All of these different things. And I just want to say it's okay. Mm-hmm. If you can't journal, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You're not a, you know, you're not in a cat- catastrophic fault. It's not going to delay your healing. Right. We just find a different way to kind of process those emotions. Mm-hmm. And each person mm-hmm. is very different in how they heal from from PTSD and even complex PTSD. You know, PTSD mm-hmm. is that one explosion. Uh, your brain shifting and complex becomes like it's the dribble exposure. Mm-hmm. This has happened. Oh, okay, we're good now. No, this has happened. No, oh, and yeah. and things just keep trickling out. Well, how would you define self care, just as a as a thought for someone that is going through mm-hmm. recovery? 
Initially for me, self-care is a boundary. Mm-hmm. It's a way, if I define the word boundary, it's how I keep myself safe. Mm-hmm. So anything that makes me feel safe in sort of those first phases, that mm-hmm. I define as self-care. Mm-hmm. If it's important for you not to go to a grocery store and you have to have Kroger deliver all the time, mm-hmm. that's self-care mm-hmm. because it's too much for you to go out in public. Yeah. If um, if you have to do mac and cheese every night for your kids, it's okay. It's self-care. Mm-hmm. It's giving your brain a break. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I that would be my short definition of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you respond or, or what is your thought process in response to women that really struggle with the idea of prioritizing themselves and taking this time? Um some some individuals I think are really great at setting boundaries and protecting themselves and saying, this is what I need. And I, I noticed that a lot of other ones really struggle with that and may feel selfish or may not know how just because it's not how they've interacted in the relationship in the past. Um, and or there might be a lot of like religious programming and stuff where they feel like they're shifting roles in their relationship and they're really uncomfortable mm-hmm. with it, right? So yeah. when when someone doesn't know how to or they feel really weird, um, saying, I'm going to now focus on me as the priority and priority number one. Because in my mind, I go, well, if you want to have positive relationships with anyone in your life in the future, you have to do that because it's like you're you know, you're filling your own cup. You're making sure that you're whole, you're well, so that you can then do whatever it is that you're called to yep. do, be a good parent, et cetera. But I know people really struggle with that. So how do you think through that or, or talk to people about that? I would take into a variety of different, I mean, each partner is different in their own living environment. So I pause at putting a blanket statement over people. I have moms that have very young children. They can't, Mm -hmm. they just can't. Getting out of bed every day is the best they got. Mm -hmm. So for me, this is a season, this is season. It's okay. You do what you can do Mm -hmm. to make sure that you get through that day. And then there are others who do exactly that. They stay busy, busy, busy. They have the opportunity and they can take the time Mm -hmm. to Mm self-engage, but they don't want to. Mm -hmm. Some of that, if I split that into two separate areas, some of it's dependent on the husband and the partner. How engaged is he in the reparation of the the marriage itself. So if he's not, if he's not fully invested, he's not doing the things that he has to do, then I choose, you know, Michelle Mays calls it betrayal blindness. We call it abuse amnesia, all of these different things. I can't actually engage in the abuse and the trauma or the deception that's occurring within my marriage because there's no healing possible. Mm-hmm. He's not engaged in it. I can't focus on that. Mm-hmm. So then we turn back on them. Okay, what can you do for you today? Right. Does it just mean getting up? Does it just mean listening to a podcast? Mm-hmm. Small little nuggets for them where we take everything off of, we, we re-engage self-empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the other side where people are just afraid to engage in their own personal history. Uh, you know, my dad deserted me when I was 12 and now mm-hmm. he's deserting me when I'm 45. Kind of experience where there's too much emotional engagement. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, I kind of want to sift between people that are familiar, that they can't mm-hmm. really do it versus people who actually have the capacity to do it, but their husbands aren't engaged or they're afraid to invest in their own personal growth because yeah. it's painful. Yeah. And I think too, um, you, you had mentioned, you know, getting out of bed is the best you can do sometimes. And that's so true. And so that is okay. When you, at the end of the day, the reality is you look at the day and say, did I do the best that I could today? 
Sometimes that means yep. that you got out of bed. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes exactly. that means you stayed in bed and listened to a podcast. Sometimes that means you mm-hmm. get out of bed, brush your teeth and make food for yourself, right? Like um, there were definitely days where getting out of bed was really hard for me. Um, just, you know, you have the extreme overwhelm, you have the extreme depression, you're processing the difference of what you thought life was versus what it is versus, you know, what you think it is now and hope it might be in the future. Like you just don't know, like there's this waiting period. Right. And I talk to people about that all the time. It's like, you're so for women that are so early on in the process. And it's like, you want, um, definitive answers. You just won't get them because part of that is the time that it takes to watch your partner and to see how serious they are and to get the answers. Like, are they going to do the work? Are they going to be proactive about it? Um, because it's not your, your job ultimately to, Mm -hmm. you know, force them. There's literally Mm -hmm. nothing you can do to make them get into recovery or not, you know? Now I Mm -hmm. I do think we have influence to some extent, but not, not in the grandest sense. So, um, so yeah, I want to encourage people to like what we're talking about isn't necessarily like, you know, you have three spa days in a row. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. It's literally just yeah. like every day, what yeah. is something that you can do to support yourself and to create that safety yeah. and to help yourself move, like take one step. Yep. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring up the spa day because a lot of women pre-discovery they were good with massages. They were good going get facials. They were good having people touch them to relax their muscles. Mm. And then if their partners have acted out with, at massage parlors, they cannot be touched sure. by anyone. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of that whole self-care is very, very different. It may mm-hmm. take them, you know, a year or two before that is even plausible mm-hmm. again. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. Maya Angelou stated, I have found that among its other benefits, giving liberates the soul of the giver. Tar Hope is a nonprofit that is on a mission to support women experiencing and recovering from sexual betrayal trauma. We do this by providing education and resources, as well as connecting them with and paying for practitioners who guide and assist them through the recovery process so that they can lead happy and fulfilling lives again. If you are interested in supporting this nonprofit organization, here are a few ways to consider doing this. Number one, pray that we connect with the women who need us most. Pray for all the women who are granted scholarships that they find true healing. Pray for our coaches that they have wisdom in every session. Please pray for me as I continue to lead in an area that is unfamiliar territory and, to be honest, kind of intimidates me. Pray for the right people to be led to Tara Hope so that we can connect and grow into an organization that has an impact across the country. This includes bringing on a CEO, marketing specialist, fundraising specialist, and social media manager to name a few of the people we would love to have on our team moving forward. Two, please consider sharing this podcast with pastors, churches, friends you know who might be interested, therapists or counselors who have a heart to help others, or even sharing a screenshot or audio clip on social media. Anyone you think that might be interested in learning that this organization exists. Number three, please consider donating. One six-month scholarship ranges from $3,000 to $3,600, and $150 would cover one session with a Tara Hope coach. Number four, 
And finally, if you are someone who is feeling called to help us grow, please reach out to us to let us know in what way you might want to participate. I mentioned earlier a few areas we need support. Someone who has experience running nonprofits, someone interested in running social media, someone good at marketing, etc. Honestly, whether you donate $5, cover us in prayer, or share this podcast with one person, we are so thankful for your participation. The smallest action of support can have a huge ripple effect, so never think that any contribution is too small. We are so thankful for each of you listening. To donate, please go to tarahopealliance.org forward slash donate. If you'd like to reach out to us, please email info at tarahopealliance.org. What are some different or out of the box or just just some different ideas of what you feel like would fall into the category of self-care for people going through recovery? I'll throw out a couple while you're thinking. I think yeah. I think one yeah, yeah. would be I think one would be investing in coaching. Well, yes, there's that. Right. Like <laughs> yeah, I mean that absolutely that is, groups. Yeah. Yeah. And and going to support, I think that is a form of self-care because what you're saying is like I am choosing to get into community and to to find the support that I need and the emotional validation of what I'm going through, right? Because I I see, and I don't know if you see this as well. I do see a lot of betrayed partners not going to do any of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. It, it is because they're, they're not, you know, you go to that D day before and after before D day, they get all these friends. You can go to church they can go to the pastor. They can talk to, you know, anybody on the phone. And then all of a sudden they have this D day and we have this very dark event right. that has transpired it's scary and we have nobody who, nobody gets it. Yeah. And then the people that they have tried to talk to are like, well, I don't know what you're talking about or, you know, get over it mm-hmm. kind of behaviors. They don't understand so who is this select group that actually gets them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is critical. There are so many places, inexpensive places, you know, Terra Hope Alliance too, that clients can can experience healing after mm-hmm. D-Day mm-hmm. and betrayed partners can get that support. I preach it, same as you, all day long. You cannot do this on your own. Yeah. It only prolongs the pain. Mm. And um, yeah, so I agree 100% that getting coaching, getting therapy, getting, um, there's, um, you know, SA groups for partners that are free. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of spaces that you can dip into, um, for, um, for support mm-hmm. all over the place and get good support, especially today, five, 10 years ago, I'd say, no, you gotta be very careful. But yeah. today there's a lot of spaces for you to get immediate support. You know, some of the other things you were talking about, what, what do they do for, um, self-care, what can partners do? Just podcasts, listening to books, um, standing outside in your front yard, taking your shoes off and sticking your feet in the ground just to help ground yourself physically. Um, yeah. Taking your child for a walk, mm-hmm. just sitting, mm-hmm. Netflix binging, mm-hmm. yeah, playing a video game. I mean, yeah. anything that gives your brain kind of that yeah. space. I remember playing I don't know, it was Sugar Candy Crush or one of them for like (laughs) five hours straight. Yeah. You know, I'm on like level 400 or 4,000, you know, but my brain really needed that detox. Mm -hmm. And just to completely check out, I remember going to a cartoon movie with one of my kids and about halfway through the movie, I thought, I haven't thought about anything negative for Mm -hmm. 30 minutes. 
Mm. And what a relief that was. So anything yeah. that gives your brain that break is mm-hmm. considered, in my mind, self-care and helps you kind of reestablish yeah. and find yourself again. I love that. And I think, um, you know, it's going it's going to shift depending on what phase of recovery you're in too, right? Absolutely. So in the beginning, yeah. a lot of the stuff we're talking about here is it are, are things that help you disconnect, that give your brain a break, that um, that allow you to stop thinking about it or to literally just get through the day. Right. Um, and as you move forward in recovery and, and continue to grow and and get that stability and that grounding and that safety kind of established in your life and your relationship and your, in your home environment and and the consistency kind of comes back a little bit Mm -hmm. that may shift into, um, different activities that maybe are more fulfilling for your soul, for example, that light Mm. you up, that spur creativity or um, engagement with people. So I know for me, I kind of hit a point um, where I really felt like I needed to do something that was just for me, that kind of lit me up Mm. and just made me feel good about myself. And so I went back to taking singing lessons and Mm. it was so special because I mean, that's what my major was in. And and it was, it feels like a big part of myself that had kind of been gone for a long time. And I had developed through, uh, betrayal and recovery and everything I had developed, like my nervous system was shot. I had developed like a massive performance anxiety. Like I was singing in church and mm-hmm. singing, singing, like leading the hymns in church, like didn't used to make me mm-hmm. that nervous. And then all of a sudden I was like, just feeling like I would pass out on Sunday morning. So I was leading the hymns. You know, it, was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, right. it was bad. And so I was like, maybe this is something I could get. And it was so helpful because it did. It spurred that creativity. It showed me that right. I can do hard things. It helped me to do that personal growth aspect, it kind of lit that um, part of my soul back up, you know, and it felt really, really good. So there may be another phase of recovery too, where it shifts into something like that, you know, something that you just spend some time or energy that you have um, on that, that just makes you feel happy feelings. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes that's a great point too, because sometimes, you know, what used to really light you up in the past, Mm -hmm. it feels like it's gone. Like I used to really enjoy making meals for women who needed it Mm -hmm. and then I went through four years where I couldn't cook Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden just little bit by little bit I started to get more creative again and it kind of comes back to you so that's a good point that as healing transpires and healing happens you do kind of move back Mm -hmm. into and it may be different spaces Mm -hmm. but whatever that joy was that reignition of passion comes back and you know I think uh when it comes to recovery, when you're working with someone like me or with Kim or with a trauma therapist or whoever you're working with, our our goal really is to help you recover and get to the point of feeling value and worth in yourself and self-confidence mm-hmm. so that whatever decision you end up making, whether it's to stay with your partner and to reconcile or to get a divorce or whatever it is, that's the, that it is coming from a place that is a healthy, strong place so that you can make that decision very clearly for yourself. Um, and I know you probably have people on both ends of the spectrum and everything in between, um, you know, in your coaching practice. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about you know, getting to that point where, let me back up just for a second, because a lot of times, like in the Christian community, women are told like, well, you have to make a decision. And like, they're told that like so quickly, right? Like you just found out that your husband's been cheating on you for how long? And all of a sudden you're supposed to make a decision if you're staying or leaving. Like, I don't think that's how that works. Yeah. 
And for me, I was like, no, you know, but I'm a very like strong willed, like opinionated, like will defend myself kind of person. Right. right? So, so to me, that statement is like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to take my time. But, but for other women, you know, or, or people that are, um, really invested in the church, you know, um, they might feel pressure with a, with a statement like that. And I, I don't like that. I feel like it's very, Mm -hmm. um, it's that lack of understanding of what's actually happening, that yep. lack of understanding of trauma and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so what what's your thought in, in terms of the healing that it takes to even get to the point where you can make that decision? Because w- one of my thought processes was, hey, I'm going to, and I think somebody might have even recommended this, but I was like, I'm going to give it at least a year, right? To give it that mm-hmm. space, to give it that time to like see how I actually feel, let my feelings come up see what Patrick's going to do. Um, and I'm not going to pressure myself and, and we're both just going to acknowledge that divorce is always on the table. (laughs) Like that was kind of my perspective with it. So I don't know. How do you think about it? Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. I, I don't, I feel like it minimizes the power that a partner has to tell her what she must or must not do. Her power has already been shot. Mm-hmm. He's been, you know, her partner's been doing whatever he's been doing. He's always held the upper power, the upper level of the power because he knows what's going on in the relationship and she doesn't. So what I propose that we do is that we shift that power level and give her the choice. Mm-hmm. If she needs, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily that I need a divorce. It's that I need him out of the house so mm-hmm. that I can start thinking clearly. Mm-hmm. So we do a formal therapeutic separation, very clear defined boundaries for however length of time the partnership determines is good. Yeah. I think it's it makes me nervous when it, and we'll have opposing groups that'll say you got to stay in the marriage for a year. You you must do that for a year. A lot of times, what that does for the addict or the acting out partner is, oh, I got a year. I can just kind of take my time, mm-hmm. and it has a reverse impact on it. So I always want to refer back to the partner because for the one who's been betrayed, the goal is to turn back their intuition on. Yes. To help them recognize and start noticing within themselves, well, that feels like he's doing okay right here. So I think we'll stay in this path. Mm-hmm. Or mm, I think he's lying to me. Where's the polygraph? Mm-hmm. You know, that type of pathway. But I agree 100%. It's totally up to the partner to get to make that choice and for a church to impart a decision upon mm-hmm. a relationship is totally inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I love that you brought up polygraph. This is such a hot topic for people. I just would love to chat about, I know we're getting a little off topic here, but I'd love to just bring that up because, um, oh gosh, when I, you know, I will get all the opinions because I go public, right. And I talk about these things Mm -hmm. on social media very publicly and people know my thoughts on things and I shared my story and all this kind of stuff. So I get all sorts of questions about the polygraph, right? It is a hot topic because there's the, there's the perspective of, and, and, and I get it because I probably would have been those people that goes, if, if I have to have a polygraph in my relationship to trust my spouse, then I don't want to be in that relationship, right? Like that's one side of it. Um, When you actually get into addiction and recovery, however, it's like super normal and super common because you, when you, if, if you want any chance of reconciliation with your partner at all, and you think, Hey, they're a really good person. They're struggling with this thing. Mm -hmm. And which was my situation. I was like, he's really nice. He's really good. And he, struggles with this, if this can be fixed, maybe we can too, right? That was kind of my thought process. Yeah. And so yeah. if that's your situation and 
you go, but he's lied to me for so long. How in the world do I trust? I think the polygraph is a great idea because it lays this foundation of like, okay, now I know all the truth about everything when you combine it with yeah. the disclosure, right? That you have the the truth about everything from the past. You're starting now at this new place. And it almost acts in my mind as like that differentiation, the before yep. discovery or disclosure yep. and Absolutely. the after, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I agree. He's walking down his own path where he's becoming a new individual. He's releasing something, an addiction, something that has overwhelmed him. It may be entitlement behaviors, whatever that is, he wants to become a new individual. Mm-hmm. And then for her, for the partner, the one who's been betrayed, in order for her to move forward, she has to know she's walking on concrete and not walking into quicksand. Mm-hmm. So I recommend, or I really recommend a polygraph and mainly because it's his ability to give her a gift. Mm. It's a gift of truth. It's a gift that he's going to take off all that monstrous backpack of shame, all the crap he's been hauling around and just put it all on the table. Because I truly believe in what I have seen is that without that polygraph, he will hold on to that one thing that Mm. says she will never forgive me if I tell her this. Mm. And the truth is I have never, ever seen a woman leave after having the truth. She can handle the truth. She cannot handle the deceit. Whoa. And that, when I work that into the polygraph, it's a gift he gives her, mm. not only for himself, but for her. Let's just repeat that because I think that was a, a mic drop right there. I've never seen a woman leave. She can handle the truth. She cannot handle the lies. I hear that often too, that it's not the behavior, it's the manipulation of the lies that women really struggle getting over. I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, I don't know, my, my situation, I feel like it was a lot of the behavior too, but <laughs> but I get it. I get yeah. the idea, right? Yeah. It's that it's a, I need to know who I'm with. I can forgive mm-hmm. a lot. I can support you through recovery. I can do all of these things, but I'm not going to do that if you keep lying to me. If I don't know who you are, what mm-hmm. do I have? Who am I yeah. with? Who am I even married to? Yeah. And and I love the idea of that being a gift of truth. That's such a great way of viewing that. Um, I think it's a really good reframe because I I will also hear people kind of viewing it as like, well, that's, um, it's unkind to ask him to do that or it's parenting or, you know, they say that about boundaries too, or that's a fear that they have. Um, Yeah. And so I love that that is reframing it as a gift of the truth and almost like a restart laying that foundation of trust. I think that's so important. And I would also throw in, it can be a gift for the man as well, because, or the betrayer as well, because for Patrick, he was very surprised at how good he felt Mm -hmm. uh, completing this, doing the right thing and being Mm -hmm. in full authenticity and integrity for the first time in how long. And so that was a confirmation for him that he felt really good that Mm -hmm. he could complete that thing, that task. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that was so scary, yeah. right? He did something scary right. <laughs> and truthful. <laughs> yeah. He was successful. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it was funny because uh, we both kind of got nervous about it. It was like the day before or something. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know, do you not want to do it? I even brought that up, you know? And he said, no, I need to do this. This is something I need to do. And he did. And, he, and we both felt such relief from that. It was, right. it was so huge. So yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, what else do you, is there anything else that you want to leave with um, everyone today in terms of taking time, prioritizing their healing, investing in their healing, taking time to self-care, anything along those lines that we've talked about today? 
I think the main thing I would like to impart partners with is that self-care looks very, very differently Mm. for them and what the world demands. Mm -hmm. Um, And it looks different for each partner. Self-care is not massages. It's not taking a break. It's not shopping. Some women can't go into a shopping mall. So, you know, even that's been removed from them. Self-care is whatever makes you feel safe for the day, Mm. whatever that is. And it's going to look different for everyone. I love that definition. Self-care is whatever makes you feel safe for the day. Because that way you can wake up and go ask yourself one question. What is it that I need today? Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. Anything else that you just generally to partners that are going through betrayal and recovery, any message that um, you find to be really important uh, to leave with them after, you know, the experiences you have with so many, so many women struggling with this? You're not alone. Mm. is one of the main things that women need to understand and that they're not crazy. Mm. Every one, every single partner that I meet with has that intuition that's turning on and frequently they've been told, turn it off, change it, just with the whole gaslighting, aligned to you and mm-hmm. reforming your reality to be a betrayer's reality. I'm, like it's crazy making. Mm-hmm. And for them to understand they're not crazy, trust your intuition, that small, quiet voice, that your faith-based, the Holy Spirit, Whatever it is, it's speaking to you inside. You trust that and go through the doors that open in front of you to get help and support. Mm, I love that. Thank you. Where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about you? Well, you can go to Coaching Hope for You, which is Coaching Hope, the number four, the letter U, Coaching Hope for You. And I have workshops coming up. I specialize a lot in helping specifically betrayed partners go through divorce. And understanding that they are in trauma and trying to navigate a court system is a disaster. Mm. So any kind of help that I can support them with, I offer workshop that's coming up. I have group that starts in September. I'm one of the speakers in the APSATS annual conference. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. So all kinds of fun ways to reach me. Great. All right. Well, we'll make sure to have that website um, in the show notes as well. So definitely check her out, connect with her and um, follow all of the amazing work that she is doing. Thank you so much for just sharing um, your thoughts today. It's been really awesome. And I really appreciate connecting with you. Well, I appreciate what you're doing too. It's super important in our community. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, it would mean so much if you leave a five-star review or post a screenshot and share on social media. We are on a mission to share the message of recovery and you can help get the word out. If you know a friend who could use this podcast, please share it.